Well, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. You guys are an incredible group of people. I've uh, really been impressed with every conversation around the hallways, and I'm just glad that it's not a competition, and comparing one story to another isn't a thing. So we just get to share our story, and hopefully you might be blessed. In uh, November of 2000, I was finishing my residency in Orlin, oral and maxillofacial surgery. And after 13 years of college, getting ready to have a job, but <laughs> for some reason she wanted me to finish, and it was uh, looking forward to that. But at the same time, I was kind of a go-getter. I was thinking, yeah, I'll do another year, and I'll, I'll end up in uh, a academics. I'll be Mr. Professor Man. Or maybe I'll go into the mission field, and I'll just do full-time missions and drag her along with me. And, um, or maybe private practice, who knows? So I was looking into all three of those options at the same time and stumbled onto a private practice. That was fantastic. They had plenty of time that you could spend away to do uh, mission trips, and some of the docs were already doing a lot of that. They did a lot of pro bono work. It was kind of the, the place that I would create on my own if I was going to. And so I, lo I loved it. I said, God, this is weird. I thought I'd do you know, the professor thing or the mission thing. And I, did, I was a little disconcerted with the idea of having a larger salary and the prestige or whatever it was that comes along with that. My folks were the military and then they went into full-time missions and so that was my mindset. So I took a, 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 long, a long time, I, we prayed for, for a fair amount of time and finally we took a rare day off and I just went out to Goose Island which was a uh, uh, campground just a few miles away from the residency program and I said God what do we do I brought my little that's what happens when you talk with your hands <laughs> she, she might be safe who knows um, I brought my little uh, notepad and I was thinking I was gonna write down pros and cons and figure this out and you know come to come to grips on what our plan would be and I said God what do we do and he just said take the job And, you know, in the, in the capers that we were talking about, uh, some of you guys were saying, I just knew it was God. And this is one of those times in my life, I knew this was God. And I said, well, God, what about the high salary? What about my feeling uncomfortable with that? He said, this is how you're going to run your finances. <laughs> For the first two years, you're going to have a set salary. After that, when the salary increases, you're going to stay at your base salary and give away the rest. I said, oh, okay. What about saving for retirement? Well, he answered. <laughs> Just like a, a regular employer saves for retirement, 401k, we'll work that out. Well, God, what about saving for co college for the kids? And he answered. And then, well, you can save out of yours. And so it was getting to be there's the, uh, the mine and the his. <laughs> and then I said, well, what about short-term mission trips or other kind of stuff? And I said, well, that would come out of his. And so it was all coming together. And I, what I expected to write down as pros and cons, I was writing down on mine and his. And on the his, it was like a great big question mark because I didn't know much about giving except tithe. Um, but I was 100% convinced that this is what God had for us. All I had to do then is convince my wife. So he comes home from this Goose Island experience. 
And he's this, you know, he comes running in, he's this big six foot five, good looking, love of my life. And he's so excited, like a kid in a candy store. And he tells me this and I'm like, wait a minute. This is not what I signed up for. <laughs> I, um, little history on myself, I was a Baptist um, pastor's daughter who like uh, David Green married a, uh, a Pentecostal. And it must work out somehow because David, it worked out with his wife too. So, but anyway, um, I was a pastor's daughter and growing up, we weren't poor, but I wasn't able to have the designer clothes that I thought were important and all the popular girls wore in school. So here I am married to this professional. He's going to be an oral surgeon. We're going to have it made. Um, at the time we were living in a little, maybe 800 square foot apartment that the hospital provided for the residents two bedrooms, we had a three-year-old, and I was pregnant with our second, and I just wanted to buy the Gymboree clothes for my babies, because they were so adorable. <laughs> and here he comes home and he's telling me, no, we're not gonna live like that. Um, so for me, it was, a, it was a change in my thinking. And I had grown up, again, and, as a pastor's daughter, and my parents trained me um, biblically, and so when they got paid every two weeks, my mom would write the check, and she would place it in between the phone and the wall. This was when phones were on the wall. Does anybody remember that? <laughs> so that she would remember to take it to church on Sunday. And I watched her put it in the plate. And I knew all about tithing. And I knew we would tithe. And I thought, wow, tithing on an oral, surgery's, oral surgeon's um, income, that's going to be great. But because I also was brought up to know that my husband was the spiritual leader, that I needed to follow his lead. So I decided I would see what would happen with this plan. <laughs> it seemed like a lot more supportive at the time. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so after the first two years of the job were kind of winding down, I, I was start talking to some financial planners and seeing if we could get a plan, because I, I didn't know how to actually do this. I didn't, you know, um, uh, the first couple of financial planners would kind of say, you know, you're kind of crazy. Why don't you look at this plan? Then I, I stumbled upon a guy um, uh, who's a Christian financial planner from Willow Creek Church in Chicago, and appropriately named Rich. You know, I figured it sounds good. Um, and so we met in Chicago and um, I was sitting at a little coffee house. And he's one of these spreadsheet guys. You know, <clears throat> yes, you can think without a spreadsheet. I know Ron says he can't. Ron Blue says he can't uh, do that. But I, I think better without a spreadsheet. It works so much better. So he's very organized. He's got a little flip chart, and he's going through all Ron Blue's stuff. It's like, God owns everything. Next one. We are stewards of all this stuff. And I get so excited. I said, hey, Rich, let me tell you about my Goose Island experience. And I, I lay it out for him. I said, we're planning on living on this amount. Anything that comes in beyond that, we're going to give away. And Rich takes another flip chart, and he says, finish line. And he explains to me the concept of the finish line that God had shown me on Goose Island. It was fantastic. You know, it was just uh, like a match made in heaven. So um, <clears throat> he helped us set up a donor advice fund, work with National Christian Foundation, and it's been, a, it's been really a good, um, from a logistics standpoint, worked out very well. So a lot of people ask how our kids deal with this. And Truly, you know, if this started when my, our oldest was three 
and I was pregnant with our second. We now have three kids. They've never known anything different. And so for them to watch us live a generous life, um, they, they really haven't complained. And truly, we aren't living in poverty. Um, we really do live very comfortably. We have a beautiful house. We have um, reliable cars. Um, our kids are in- Most of the time. Most of the time. We have, <laughs> that's a different story. <laughs> our kids um, play lots of sports. Our daughter has been involved in riding horses. Um, we have, our daughter now is in college and um, we have one that's going to college and we haven't had to worry about those things because he's also learned to plan very well. Uh, I know Kirk um, Cousins talked about saving. And so granted that has come out of the base salary we're supposed to live on. He's done very well in saving for those things. Um, but also, we've worked our vacations to be mission trips, and our kids have come with us, and that's really changed their worldview. Um, it also has helped them become very generous in them, in them of themselves for, with what they have. And so truly, we're living a joyful life because of our obedience. Dare I say we're flourishing. Why do you guys always applaud for her? <laughs> um, so when, when I look at how do we actually teach our kids about this, um, I remember a time that I was uh, on a two-hour uh, car ride with my brother, who's an engineer. He's another one of these spreadsheet guys. He's organized in everything he does, even in conversations. If we got a conversation, if we got a two-hour two -hour ride, he's planned out the conversation. So. It's me and Anna and my daughter, Abby. She was, what, 16 at the time? And my brother, John. And so uh, we're just driving along. We got two hours, and he starts asking me all these questions about finances. I had never talked to anybody about this. My family, I mean, Anna and our financial planner and my accountant. And that was it. Because I didn't think the right hand would, the right hand would be allowed to know what the left hand was doing. <laughs> I got it right. <laughs> <laughs> See, now, they're, now, they're, now they're clapping for you. Yeah, that's yeah. good. So um, the, the concept of the right hand and the left hand not knowing what they're doing was completely misconstrued in my mind. And I, I think my, my understanding of that from experiences like this, where you guys talk about this all the time in an open format without pretentiousness or asking, is just fantastic. But I didn't know that at the time. And I'm talking to my brother, John. I figure, okay, I can talk to John. So John asks about, how do we do our finances? And I start telling him the Goose Island story, and I tell him about Rich, and I tell him about the missions in Haiti and the things that we're doing, and um, on and on and on for two hours, because he's got this all planned out. We, we were about to arrive, and so I look in the back seat, and I said, hey, Abby, have you heard anything that you didn't already know? And she said, no. <laughs> So she also has lived this in her life. Um, in one of the trips that we were taking to Haiti, um, I think she might have been eight at the time. And we always taught our kids the, the, the three things you do with money is um, save, spend, and give. And she had saved a, a good little portion from birthdays. And I don't know, we probably paid her to weed the garden or something like that. Um, and she took all of her savings. $51.34 and went to uh, Walmart and bought toys for the kids that we were gonna see in the clinics there. And just thrived on giving these toys out to these kids and just saw the joy of that. We talked a little bit about that in, in the capers, the joy of giving and then the joy that the receiver has as well. And she got to see that in fruition. So it was really neat to see.
another thing that uh, has come up is, is when you're giving, you can't give to everybody. I mean, Kurt talked about it a little bit last night, and uh, there are things that you are in love with, and there's other things that you have to say no to. And uh, Rich helped us with this. He helped us put together a stewardship, stewardship philosophy, which led to a giving portfolio. When we had, you know, like an investment portfolio, you have your giving portfolio, all the people that you give to and the organizations that you love, but then there's ones that you don't. So there was one of the guys that we uh, support, a missionary that we support, <clears throat> he sent us a little piece of paper that you have another piece of paper inside, and it was a... It's, it's called snail mail. You pull it out and then read it. So uh, you guys probably remember this, but my kids have never seen this before. <laughs> so you, you, you read this thing, and he's asking for uh, funding for a vehicle. And what I didn't realize is if, if Brian is sending a snail mail, it's very important. <laughs> so I look at that and I say, okay, this does not line up with our stewardship philosophy and the things that we're going to give towards. So I just tossed it in the recycle bin and didn't think about it. Two days later, we get an email. Ah, better. Uh, so the email, same exact message. Hey, can you give towards this uh, um, vehicle that our family needs? And I just pushed delete, moved on, because I just, in my mind, no, we're not going to give towards that, move on. But this is Brian, and so he, he's a friend, and, and we've known him for years, and so he, two days later, he calls. And it's great. He, he's got this down. <laughs> he knows how to raise funds. And he's, oh, it's so good to talk to you. Brian, how are you? We chat for a little bit. He is an accomplished extrovert and he never has a short conversation. So he was just going, we were having a great talk. And then he says, hey, did you get my mail? I said, yeah, but I don't even remember what it was about. Well, we're raising money to get this vehicle. Oh, I said, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that doesn't line up with our stewardship philosophy. It's not in our portfolio. We're, we're not gonna give to that. We love you, we'll continue to support you. He said, great. And let's talk, and he continued talking for 45 minutes. It was a lot of fun. And then we hung up and said goodbye. About a year later, we processed through that conversation. And I said, hey, what happened? Did you end up getting your vehicle? He says, yeah, not only did we get our vehicle, but a lot of things happened in that conversation. Because you're the first one I called, because I thought you'd say yes. <laughs> but when you said no, my heart was filled with joy. Because not only did you say, no, I'm not going to, you didn't say, no, I'm not going to. You said, no, and this is why. We have a plan for our giving. And knowing that you have a plan filled my heart with joy. It was, it was great. So that freed me up and I said, yes, I will say yes to the things we want to say yes to, the things we're passionate about. And I'll be happy to say no to the things that don't, don't line up with us because God's got people that will say yes. That one? Yep. Okay. When I was in residency, we had my uh, good buddy named Yak. <laughs> <clears throat> Yak was the most competitive guy in the world. He was awesome. Him and I would just go at it with everything. If we're washing dishes together, I would have to, you know, after a party, we're washing dishes, I'd have to beat him. Uh, chopping down Christmas trees. You know, you're going out, it's a family adventure. Ooh. It's a competition. He, so Yak won that one. I didn't. I, <laughs> um, everything was a competition. And it was fun. That's the way we, me and Yak related. It was fantastic. So once I'm into this whole giving thing, I'm thinking, I'm going to get Yak. <laughs> so um, we were at a little get-together at a party, and I said, here you go, buddy. You, you choose whether it's total percentage, total numbers, 
however you, you want to compa- uh, calculate off our, our W-2, you versus me, 12 months giving challenge. Let's go. <laughs> he takes his uh, chip, dips in the guacamole, and never says a word. And I'm so glad. That was the dumbest idea I ever had. (laughs) So, just imagine, replay that little scene. Instead of just me and Yak talking like guys do, like idiots, we got me and Yak and Jesus. I like to picture Jesus with a white robe and a blue sash and the beard and the long hair, you know, like in children's books, however you picture Jesus. So we got me and Yak going, and hey, I got a challenge for you. And Jesus would just kind of tap me on the shoulder and says, really? <laughs> Is that what you're going to compete with? You know, will competing him draw you closer to me? We want Yak to give. We want Yak to have the joy that we're having. That's why I competed with him, because that's the way we think. But if I want Yak to have the joy, Yak should have the joy in his own way. Following Jesus the way Jesus has asked him to give, not the way he's asked me to give. If, if Yak had taken me up on that challenge, it would have been a catastrophe. Jesus loves Yak. Jesus ministers to Yak, and Jesus loves me. And every time I give, I relate closer to Jesus, and that's what it's all about. So in 1 Timothy 6, 18 to 19, and I'll try to read this because it's in really small font, and I'm in denial that I need reading glasses, but it says, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. There's a lot in that verse. They may experience true life, storing up treasure. This is, you know, Paul talking to Timothy. Paul quoting Matthew 6 when Jesus was talking about storing up treasure. There's a lot in that verse. Experience in true life. That's what Jesus wants for us as we give. Thank you.